right, welcome come. to the show, Andy. And um, good night. Good night. Nice to meet you. Andy. Pleasure to this be guy. here. By the way, uh, let me just say up, up front, just once I heard about this podcast, I was excited to come on as a guest because I like what you guys do. Uh, you guys have been doing this uh, unofficially for years, just just great <laughs> conversations about the game we love and, um, you know, just having your, your viewpoint, but in a, in a nice way, a real a real uh, intellectual way, because you know football topics, because football is life, right? So, yeah, it is really be discussing life at the end of the day, so true, true, true. Right, to right. be in here and to be here with you guys. Right, right. Right, beautiful. Good night, guys. Happy New Year to all those who may have come across this for the first time. This is the Trifactor Podcast, Episode 2, where we keep the ball rolling at the store, trying to discuss and touch on so many different things and things are going on in the world of football in so many different ways that, you know, the dynamic keeps changing. We also have uh, our first guest, our first official guest here on the Trifactor podcast, we'll get to. But um, how you guys been? How, how, how was your week, respective teams, affairs? Anything anybody needs to get off the chest so we can schedule it? I know somebody might be a little upset. That, uh, I don't know. Anybody, everybody good? Everybody all right? Cool, I could do well, bro. I, I don't know. I don't know who vex. I just ask him, right? <laughs> Alright, so guys, one thing that we need to do are our results for this year, 2021, are being proper with my time management. Right? Okay. So I, I gonna be but, time after here. How you look like a, a shine up shilling tonight? So what's going on? Get a date or something? He watched, no, he watched the first he watched the first one and he was like never uh, again. Nah, no, 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 watch me. I, I know me scruffy by default, right? But the thing is, right? Right. Um I say, well, you know, let me let me try a little thing for you, New Year. Come out fresh, clean and thing. Big up the stairs while I shop, I went long day game myself so tall because again, commitments are we making for this thing. Tonight yeah. actually is my girlfriend bird dinner. But obviously with this, I can't do that now. So I have to go make sure carry out last night. You need right, to get your right, priorities right. in order. Eh? I say you need to get your priorities in order. My priorities in order. What should I do? It's by shooting podcast. <laughs> all right. Gentlemen, all we'll talk aside. We have a distinguished guest here. And he's uh he's a legend in many respects. And I think given our agenda tonight, he's the perfect person to talk about it. His expertise is wide ranging and diverse, and he also has some very, very Strong opinions and viewpoints that would provoke the discussion. We have Mr. Andy Solandi with us, All multiple right. football right. awards, right? Uh, locally, from originated from Trinidad and Tobago, two two time league winner, secondary school, intercall champion, uh, intercall runner up, two times runner up actually. Yes, you hold a famous professional footballer. Machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really? I'm sure. Two times you're not where you get that from. Actually, when you look in the real record books, you can see from the way winning this high school football, I need his structure. Right. 
self-aware or were you good at a young age or did you have to develop yourself to make your um, secondary school team? Yeah, uh, another good question. I, I want to believe I was pretty good at a young age because, you know, to play for your primary school in third standard and, <laughs> you know, as we say, post-primary men uh, who, who did or pass on the, you know, they're on the squad. So, you know, uh, <laughs> So, but, but I, I, I honestly, you know, we, we, we are from our culture, as you guys know, where we play all the time. So you ain't even thinking about how good you are. You just love right. you sweat everywhere. Savannah, small goal, you know, school, you're playing in school morning. You're, you're really focusing with a lot of you just... It's a, it's a game that we love to play. So I was always just playing as I. Okay, okay. Um, so what, what, what would you describe yourself as? What, what type of player were you? That's a good question too. So I started off playing forward. Okay. So, you know, I was, I was, I started off loving to, to score and attack and dribble and, you know, <laughs> and play, play the games. Okay. Yeah. First, As most of know, us. We, we talked about the green machine, but you know, I think out of respect for I think all the background, but actually I see man before green machine. And, okay. Uh, he nicknamed the dub man and QRC spanner cake. So I used to <laughs> I was a forward. Yeah. But, you know, along the way they start talking about midfield generals, right? When I was getting, yeah. getting to the under sixteen level, yeah. the coach who was trying, we would say, all right. Friends here, forwards here, and my midfield generals over here. And I, I say, hold on, I was going to forward, but when he said that, I said, well, then I had to go over here. And I, <laughs> I transformed myself to a midfielder from that day, no joke, um, just because of the whole title. Okay. So the kind of player I was, though, truly, I hate to lose, so I would do anything on the field to try to win. I just, you know, just hate losing. So I started evolving into a more complete player as a result. Because, you know, fellas, if you're playing and you hate to lose, like small go right? Everybody, <laughs> your team losing right you because nobody wants to defend. I'd never ask this question, by the way. The man who really wants to hate to lose go end up defending because he just don't want to lose. Because everybody... Right, everything, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I was a kind of complete player Um, after I went into that midfield, but I was still learning the game. I would say I was still understanding how to... The midfield have so much dynamic state, so I was starting to learn how to attack timing-wise, how to defend and not try to attack every time and defend. You know what I mean? It's a balance, so... Okay. The kind of player I was... Um, is a player was studying the game while trying to win the game and figure it out because the game itself is like a chess match, as you guys probably know. So. Yeah, okay. So, are you on that question? Yeah, I was. Um, asked him if he still holds that here to lose that feud with his supporter Arsenal. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if I find supporter, so I said. FC Cardinals. Right, right, right. Oh, right. my <laughs> goodness. I'm my own club. Yeah, yeah. You don't know, have to ask for that. I, 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 yeah, I, I, I start defaulting the club that is winning instead of giving you a heart attack. Oh! <laughs> Problem. Yeah. Well, you can see Jose's ass. I, I blame that for his, 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 his years. And I, I try to be sensitive to him as a result. Aesthetically uh, pleasing, but when it comes to winning and losing, different story. Yeah, okay, so you could probably involved. take pattern. You should, you should just start your own club, no. brother. If that makes sense, start over. That's a good idea. Start over. Start over. Right. So cool. 
So when they, when they, when they joined the green machine, that was like the age of eleven. What what what? No, 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 so, so when did you start to break into the intercal side? Though? At what age? I was in fourth form in KRC. I okay. felt like I've been on the team since third form, but I had a different story. Um, but in fourth form, <laughs> next episode, next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fourth form, I ended up on the team, so that's what. Yeah. That's a reminder. About fifteen, around fifteen, sixteen. Fifteen, sixteen, and then and yeah. and perform sixteen, seventeen, and then I end up going to St. Augustine. Yeah. Okay. Only while playing in midfield, never move from midfield after that. Now nah, I play center. I play sweeper in St. Augustine in upper six because again they hate to lose. Uh, at that point, for the senior guy. Defense <laughs> you know, <laughs> wins championships. I thought I figured that one out. I couldn't. You're watching, you're watching from midfield and you're saying, come with him, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started to realize if I go back, they problem. So I, I end up sweeping in my upper six year plenty. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and so I started evolving into more of a defensive play. Remember, I started up front there. Eh? Yeah. And um, yeah. so going back to your quick little arsenal question here. <laughs> to win. You can't out attack, you can't over attack and win. You have to defend to win. I would just say that. Right. right. So you ever, you, ever, you ever thought about getting into management of teams, like as a coach? Yeah, but I've been coaching for a long time, to be honest with you. Um, uh-huh. yeah, I've been coaching for about 25 years now on a youth level. And then I was recently in Trinidad in the coaching staff for the women's senior team and under 20. I was part of that staff uh, in the uh, World Cup qualifiers. We went three one-on-one. And um, so, yeah, I've been coaching for a long time. And, and in terms of I hear that. I hear that in the credentials, Mr. Zwane. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't give him everything. <laughs> when you are the man coming here to talk about, if I talk everything. I also, I also coach um, uh, my son's U16 FC Cardinals boys team, who finished runners-up in the, in the national championship game in Colorado two years ago. Um, okay. So, the one of the teams in North Carolina history, the, 80, the 2002 uh, FC Cardinals boys, you Google them, you'll see what I say. We... we we um we were very very dominant from day one from U10 to the U16 and they've kind of aged out now because they're playing from a semi pro team that we have in the city now. So I mean, so after after you play, so so I mean, you you play in Tokal, then you you got a scholarship to come up in the states, right? Correct. And then so after you play in the states, so did you always know you wanted to stay in football professionally? Uh, yeah, good question. So I went into my career, which was a biology professor uh, at the community college. First, I was an environmental engineer, um, local, we call them the state EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, for five years. And then I went and started teaching at the community college to actually get the freedom to coach for the flexibility of teaching at the community college there, evening times and weekends. So I started coaching youth soccer then. And um, so, yeah, I think my love for this game kept me connected, but I did play in a lot of adult leagues after my two years of pro. After college, I was working, I played two years of pro. This is an interesting story. Just, just here's my pro career. Right. So there's a team called Chattanooga Express in Chattanooga, Tennessee. They are, um, and I, they are a NISA team now, a professional team. They have a nice stadium. 
I, I tell my friends all the time, you got to send them for some royalties because we cannot build that city. <laughs> um, myself and another Trinidadian, Carlos Lee, who was, who was at UT, Knoxville, doing his PhD. He called me and he said the coach looking for um, a centre-back. I said, man, I'm a midfielder, boy. He said, yeah, but you can play the back. <laughs> so I drove seven hours to the tryout. Oh, Lord. Coach, yeah. by the, the coach name was Pedro Kosak. He used to coach the Canadian national and 17 team and he was hired by Chattanooga. High power coach from Argentina. So I drove seven hours. I put my wife and my two kids in the car and drove. Cause my honestly, guys growing up was to become a professional soccer player. Right, that's right. Opportunity. I must have football. I talking to some, um, some footballers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wonder when that, that's professional football player. So, right, right, right. seven hours. Pedro looked at that kind of commitment that I showed to come to tryout. He said, is this the guy who came to tryout? And I came to me, he said, are you the guy? I said, yeah. So he tried Josie to me and said, I'm going to start you today because I want to see you completely. Hmm. So, you spam one time? That did mean a 3-5-2. Now, I never played in a 3-5-2 formation. So you look like David Luiz then? Yeah, well, <laughs> no, but he played the 3-5-2. Look, the 3-5-2 was emerged into what is now, you know. What he played was one sweeper and two man markers. Man markers, of course, yeah. Your striker wherever they go. You are, you are signed to the striker wherever you go, follow him. For me, I had a discipline mark marking game, so that was really easy for me. And in the back was also really easy for me because once I win possession, I'm very confident on the ball from being in the middle of my career. So play the game after the game. Came to me and he said, wow, you know what? I played the whole game. He made subs. I said, well, I must be doing good because I ain't get sub out. Right, right, right. He said, all right, we have to sign you. I said, okay. Now I'm working as an environmental engineer, making a decent living out of college and taking care of my family. I started to get a little excited, guys. Look, my pro career, I'm going to sign you. <laughs> I said, okay, coach, so what are you talking about? He said, uh, I think we can pay like 150 a week, $150. What? <laughs> I said, I ain't going to work. So he said, what do you mean? I said, nah, coach, I, I, I'm a family. I, I, you know, because it now starting. This was right, right. professional soccer. And, you know, you are everything taken care of and that the extra money. Or they'll pay for room meals, you know what I mean? So I said, nah. So he said, well, let me talk to the owner. The owner was a Greek, Patriot Argentinian. English in the best. He go and he talk to the owner and he come back and he said, okay, yeah, we'll sign you. This man understand English. I say, nah, that, that. He said, no, listen, we have a solution. I said, what? He said, we'll fly you into Atlanta on weekends, pick you up, you play. No joke. Wow. Wow. So they paid for a wrong trip ticket for me to fly <laughs> Charlotte to Atlanta, pick me up, played every game, fly me back. I didn't realize, fellas, I might be a little abnormal because that budget was obviously very. <laughs> Over here to fly me that ticket. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's how I played for Chattanooga while living in Winston Salem, North Carolina. So okay. that's crazy. Let's <laughs> say so you have another question because I'm I'm what I ask you now. Go ahead, go ahead, Andrew. All right, so so then so going from playing to, to coaching, did you have to do any like um did you do any training on coaching, get badges or something like that? Yeah, so I started off just coaching, and you know, I'm glad I let you ask that question, guys. I believe you'll always coach based on your perspective and how you play. Mm -hmm. Just how it is. 
And when I started coaching, I was just going and trying to do things based on how I feel the game should be played with no background, no context, no organizational skills to coaching, right? Because when you go to a coaching education course, they have a real structure, you know, um, your introduction, your warm-up, your first activity, your second activity, you know. There's a real progressive kind of systematic with a layout. But should be told, when you are coach with no kind of coaching and structure, you will just do things what you think important. And I try to let the game dictate what I got to work on when I see how we play. I mean, or I think this, let's go do this. But I did go into my coaching credentials and got uh, a national license, a national C license. But here's the thing, I'll be honest with you. The coaching credentials start confusing my coaching that I was doing without knowing the structural aspect of it. It became more of a theoretical session instead of a real session in my opinion. And I went back to what I was already doing before I got the credentials because I think it worked because there is no script to this thing. And this this cookie cutter, you're going to learn this and then we got to do. And it did. To me, results dictate what makes sense. If you're doing all this stuff with your fancy credential and losing right you, <laughs> what are you doing? No, I'm serious. And maybe no, no, you're right, you're right. Oh, yeah, and I look at somebody's high power coaches and the credential. You watching the game and you probably say, this, but why didn't make this adjustment? But these guys who possess their badges, they should know that. What's going on? I mean, it, they comp- the, the game is a practical game, not theoretical. So... The credentials to me is good to show that you qualify on knowledge, but it don't really drive my coaching. I, I cannot coach on, on certain philosophies of a winning, which it's all based on defending principles and transitioning to attack and defend, but you have to defend. Um, think about it. So football is a game. If you don't get scored, you can never lose it. Mm-hmm. That's something like Mourinho, boy. <laughs> oh. No, no, no. Mourinho was not a king. You see, when the final turn, when the final turn, I like to go at people, right? Free mm-hmm. to go. But you don't go at the expense. Think about what I'm saying. We culture, everybody want to go in, nobody want to defend. So you have to balance going and staying. That's all I'm saying. A and stable base and you can go from there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's we. We will get into that. Let's ask some good questions. I want to. I might deviate into Trinidad for the plan. No, well, that's so, a whole. That, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. whole. That, that's, that's an like episode. That's like a podcast series, right? Yeah, that's a, that's an episode by itself, and definitely we're looking forward to getting your perspectives on that because one question I had, and I mean, we don't have to go totally in depth into it now, but in terms of the transition in the footballing environment from Trinidad to the states, what was the biggest shift you had to make? You can't be Spanner King, is it? Nah, that, that was a weapon, boy. I, I became a legend in Boone because... <laughs> never seen Spanner before. Men, men will say, what was that? And <laughs> nobody want to tackle the, the fear of the Spanner. That's a weapon. That's a serious weapon. Um, the transition I came was the, 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 the professionalism. Immediately, you see a difference in... They say 8 o'clock, you better be there by 7.45. It had no late, it had no excuse, it had no... It's, it was a full professional adjustment. Now, I find the Green Machine was at a high level. That team I played on is probably one of the best teams I've ever played on, and we have some semblance of professionalism in that high school. But it was just a whole different step up in terms of everything was top class, training room, facilities, 
uh, you're, you're getting your meals taken care of. It, it was just that adjustment for me on that level. The game-wise was no adjustment. The game was easy to me because we were technically much better than a lot of players. I think that we just have a real good foundation and technical skill home. And once you have a strong technical foundation, you can play and adapt. I was also a hard worker home, so the fitness for some people could have been a short treatment. But because I hate to lose, I want to win every fitness drill. And I didn't just sit back and say, oh, it's too hard. Um, so I would say just the overall, how you carry yourself and deal with the time and the professional attention to detail that they had. That was, it. That was a hard adjust to that. But it was a quick adjustment because I took the game serious. I always, again, I always uh, respect the game. All right. And given nice. the respect for the game, um, we, we, we just keep any ball rolling here, but we certainly play a little bit. In terms of the, the league that you're involved in, the Eastern Premier Soccer League, tell us about what's the vision for that place. What, what makes it unique and um, how would your perspective, not just as a player, but as a coach in your own right, and your experience, what you see as the niche that the league will really target? Yeah, excited about this league because it finally is a league that I'm involved in that is going to create an open system and opportunities for players. The U.S. soccer system from the MLS, the big boys down, is a closed system. Hmm. I mean, by, there's no promotion or relegation. You're in. Yeah, no promotion. <laughs> and, and you control the game. You lose, you still win. It has no So it's closed. It's not open. Whereas... The league that you're at in Arsenal, and I'm sure some of you are Chelsea, man, you, wherever you're and, uh, You don't know Chelsea fans here. You have a Arsenal, you have a retired Inter fan, and well, you know me. <laughs> well, you, well you, you know the um, EPL tried, um, the big boys, tried to make it a, a non-relegation league, but uh, yeah, I that, think um, that, the rest of the clubs rejected it. Yeah, well, that's terrible. They, 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 they tried that last year. Last year, them, year, yeah, la, no, last year, la, it couldn't be only this year, we'll see. It was yeah, last year. year, right? About maybe about September, they were saying, well, with the COVID, you know, we could um, give some additional funding to the lower leagues, but we give any big six, big eight, more voting rights and a bigger say. And I was like, that's a totally crazy idea because then they will always have that stratification. And I was totally against it. So, I mean, I know Balance Now League is a business at the same time, but you should still have some governing principles. And from what I saw, um, well, describe your league in, in context of what yeah, you're so, saying. So the EPSL is, is modeling the European model, the global model of an open system. So you have a local league, which we'll call the feeder league. And in that local league, you'll have a first division, second division. So you can promote it into the local league, into your first division. Now you win your first division, you'll get promoted into the EPSL that sits on top of the local feeder league. Then EPSL now, once you win the EPSL, is connected to another professional league called NISA. And NISA is an emerging professional league, you know, not a very big league yet in terms of number of teams, but it has the historic New York Cosmos and some of those iconic mm. teams. The same Chattanooga I just talked about is in here, Detroit. So... So the EPSL literally have an opportunity for you to go from a local league to into, the, into the EPSL, a bridge called Nisa Nation, which is like an incubator to get you ready for pro, because the jump from amateur to pro 
you talk about it just now. It is a business. You have a front office, you have a facility. You have to know what you're doing. Uh, a good friend of mine told me the quickest way to go from a billionaire to a millionaire is own a football team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Men doing, doing it out of style. Like if it's going out of style in England, though. Yeah, because they're billionaires who have so much billions, they could play with it on the... You know what I mean? On the hobby. It's a risky business. We don't know what you're doing. So that whole notion of going from EPSL to Nisa Nation to Nisa is a great... Um, uh, vertical integration, matriculation from uh, yeah. So you know, so what I like about all league is unique. No other um, semi-professional, amateur, adult semi-professional league in the US structured like this. It's not, it's not open like this where you have the club, the player could get exposed and move up, but the club could also do the same thing. So it's like the excitement of a club going from like in England again, you know, imagine some of the clubs that got up there and stayed there. That is an amazing thing. And the player themselves will get exposed because at the top of the league is a league that players can go into. And they have an independent cup called Inisa Independent Cup where we were up shoulder the PSL clubs or play these professional clubs in the independent cup so that they're getting the exposure. The club's getting seen by the Nisa. So it's almost like an audition for Nisa to see if your club ready for their level. And the player, mm -hmm. they're ready for a profession. So that is a real nice open system. I'm excited about being a part of it and creating opportunities. Because my whole thing is the system should allow you to have a real chance. And right, right. Okay. So now we, we, we slightly shuffle the player again. So, in terms of all that you described, in terms of giving a real chance and to everyone as equitable as possible within the context because, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily for profit in the league. Um, how do you see the current pandemic situation impacting the league? Do you, do you foresee anything? Yeah, pandemic impact in the world, guys. So, I definitely foresee. One thing One thing is it's amazing to me how some folks are planning as though it do exist and it's just going to disappear and wherever the plan is going to happen. Yeah. I'm Taking the approach because I realized that it really is a serious issue, regardless of why it's here or what caused it. Uh, taking life, so safety first. Yes, football important as stress reliever, it's entertainment, it's a lot of things for the fans and players love to play it. But I, as a biologist, I used to tell students this who's stressing about grades. What is essentially end up with a 4.0 in here? Because great is all that matters to you. For you dying from a terminal disease, for you didn't take care of your health. What are you going to do with that 4.0? You know what I'm saying? So it's the same yeah. not taking everything. You're playing, yes, but not at the expense of end up dying because the game is so in our life more important than anything else. So for me, plan, we plan in the launch of the spring season in mid-Atlantic, mid-March. But when that plan comes contingencies to create some sort of bubble system, tournament system, friendlies, and not force a league play if it's not there. If the numbers just don't make sense, we got to make adjustments. More importantly, in this level of play, you have to rent facilities. So if the facilities aren't available, you could want to play all day long, where are you going to play? So there's a lot of logistics that has to be looked at and smart decisions. So what I'm looking at as contingencies is having... Again, certain um, 
stadiums that we can consider if you want a bubble where we can have events and try to plan some dates around. And, and also, it must not be in hotspots. It has to be in areas where the numbers not yeah. people feel free to come in and play and create hmm. a rotational system. So we want to be planning for the launch in the Mid-Atlantic, but tempering the enthusiasm with some careful planning and safety first kind of protocols. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let me ask this. Okay. So you 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 went to COVID, but there was one more question I wanted to ask um Andy Day, which was about um. So, is is the vision for the EPSL that it will be like a pipeline to eventually get people to to pro? That's the idea. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a feeder system. You feed the leagues, get people, players, and get clubs to become professional clubs. It gives them the opportunity to, 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 to matriculate up the ladder from a community league. If you win, you're into EPSL. If you win, you go on to NISA. And then you start dealing with the logistics to become a fully professional club. Because believe it or not, I talked to an ownership group today, and they have a, a medical health care facility. One of the uh, actual medical doctor he came from England in the Baltimore area. And they're excited about not their players playing pro, but their club becoming a pro club. So it's a real thing for a lot of owners who had a dream of owning a pro team as much as players who dream of having a pro contract. So the league creates that excitement for both parties to, to push themselves to be better, which I think is a real exciting thing because you may imagine having your own pro club and, and creating those opportunities as a result. Right, right, right. Yeah, so. But, so, um, but this is a... I mean, so do you see any potential for, like, connection to the MLS, too? Well, that's an interesting question. Yeah, yeah. It will be nice, but... The mandates and the vision kind based of might be on, based, on, based on what I know, right, NISA, who is the top professional league tied to us, were once clubs that were one of what was called the NASL. And yeah, yeah. yeah. So were both running for sanctioning to be Division 2 under MLS. It was given to USL and NSL kind of got thrown out there. So, mm. happening because I don't think Nissan MLS collaborates in any way. So but, can you, but can you see, but, but for players, can you see it potentially being where, you know, like the scouting network would look and yeah, in this pro league, I yeah, potentially get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's I, something I would love. That's again, like I say, from a play, player exposure and opportunity standpoint, that's what I'm about. As a matter of fact, I was on a um, Andre Andre Batiste show about uh, a couple of weeks ago. Right. One interviewed me about my appointment, and he literally asked a lot of questions about does it have any impact back to Trinidad and. and the ball and, and yeah, for me as as the commissioner of the EPSL, whatever I can do to create some bridges and connections to the local game and players coming out into this league and being exposed, I see all league as a combo league for players to get opportunity to go to college and pro. So I'm going to literally push that narrative to create combo combines, I'm calling them, where when you come, the college coaches are there, the pro coaches are there, and the players have real options to that contract will say I'm going to take a division one scholarship instead and, and kind of have my foundation in case football and work out but create that, com- that kind of uh, opportunities through and then 
again, bringing our players from the Caribbean into the league or, you know, in communities where it can be seen, that would be something I'd love to work on. So, Andy, what would you say is something that would be fundamental to local players being prepared for opportunities like that? Because scouting is especially heavily data-driven now. This is something that we've noticed. Where people look at players from a preparation standpoint, Akeem needs to start to take a fitness first. Um, <laughs> no, a, fit, a fitness first mentality. <laughs> yeah, like KC, KC Banton did. Watch him. Yeah, we like football, and if we want to come here and compete, right. Put on the KFC and, and start so, understanding. So, so, so what you're saying, right, is before developing, well, not before, but most important is our a, a, a fitness skill, our fitness base, more than our skill base. Well, we had a skill. We, that's all we focus on is skill base. Okay. But they can't breathe, they can't play. Nobody probably ever said that before, but trust that. They can't breathe, they can't play. So when you got all these skills in the world, they can't run from here to there. You can't use your skill, they can't use anything. I definitely even noticed that in playing. Um, so just playing pickup games and all kind of thing in America over the years, yeah, it's very clear that, in, at least in American conception, everybody that playing football, they start off with, they know how to run. They could run. And they could keep running. So that no matter how much... So I, I, I will play with men who obviously cannot play. But no matter how good I am, they fit it on me. So they could run me down. I could beat a man. I drag him, throw him down. He still come back and catch me. And hit me a skate tackle from behind. So, right. yeah, for sure. I could see right, that. Right, right, right. So you, you're talking for... You appeared too on a scholarship? You came up on a scholarship? Well, no. Nah, I, I, I was all academics. But okay. the whole time I was playing football... So, right, like I was, right, right, right. The most I was, I was part of a club, but I wouldn't even call that a semi-pro club, you know. Right. But I was just playing, pick up all this time and stuff like that. And it's just, yeah, right. it's just, yeah, it's, right. it's very right. clear. Right. And, and then after that, Akeem, I think we need to create some mechanisms of, of virtual uh, situations to really have the players be seen with these COVID times where I think the whole scouting uh, platform is going to change into a digital platform. That's what's coming. So you might as well start preparing for that now and start waiting. Just like, look, um, you know, this would have been nice to sit down in a room and do a video conference, but this is just as good, right? So we got to learn that the future is going to be digital, it's going to be online. And if we can put some proper mechanisms in place for these players to, to be seen, that's something as well that I would definitely like to try to um, work on and, and suggest with, with anyone that want to collaborate back home in terms of getting us to, to see the players, our streaming platform and things that what they're doing, just getting them visible, the college league, the, the club league, whatever, uh, so that the players can actually be identified. I, I, I remember watching the Jamaican High School Championship and send it to me and it's completely online. You could see the game and I'm thinking... Mm to do the same thing. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. They, start, they started it actually locally mm-hmm. with Sportsmax, where they used to Sportsmax. compete with, with the Jamaican League primarily. And, um, right, they and don't Sportsmax need... owned by Jamaica, so they will let their league prioritize. So yeah. They own local we, so Sportsmax. We are, but we and you see, the thing is, they focus on certain schools too. 
and certain schools. Because we would, we would have to invest in our league if we want to make our league better. That's well, right. That's right. That's right. We need to. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we um we understand the benefits. Even if you want to talk about ROI, um, just the the exposure, knowing a player comes from Trinidad or or scouts coming because somebody performing good or scouts come because they see in the online stuff. I, I think they have tremendous ROI in the long term. Though. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the commitment to see it yeah. through for that long term. That's that's what's key.